Promotional consideration paid for by the following. <laughs> What's wrong, son? History homework is really boring. We all know who wins. Who cares about defeating the Nazis or saving civilization? Learning has never been fun until now. Pastor. Forget the books and classrooms. The future of learning is here. Passmaster is a unique mix of action and education. It's edutainment. Kids play history and play it to win in a strategy and planning game based on real-world events using real artificial intelligence. Finally, computer games that are good for something. Now kids will beg to keep learning. Chad, you've been up all night? I've learned all about cultural hegemony and the introduction of diseases to isolated populations. Look at this. It's an indigenous population I'm decimating. And raping, son? Of course, Dad. I know all about genetics, too. Pastmaster. Pastmaster, the future of education about the past is right now. Shut up and sit down. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Third Shift, episode 390. And I, of course, am your host, your funky leader, the greatest man who's ever lived. And hey, side tangent, side conversation right here. It was proven to me. There was a, a Third Shift fan I was talking to today, and that person said to me, Hey, man, everything you do is great. And then he gave me a fist bump. That's true. That's the true interaction. Ask Howard about it. So I am the man who everything he does is great. I'm the King Midas of this shit, dude. And with me, as always, it's the Light Bear, the Light Bringer, the Light Bear, bringing the Beastmaster, Third Shift, it's Eric, and he's here to tell us how his week was. Hey, Eric, tell us about your week. Tell us about the great things you've been doing, the games you've been playing, the basketball you've been shooting, ho- shooting hoops with your buddies. Tell us all the good stuff, you know? Shooting hoops, taking names. Well, I went out to that Zap Zone again, Matt, and I spent some more money, and we played that Marvel game, and oh, man, we was watching the little lights light up. We was watching the little cards, dropping the balls, dropping the coins, drop. We're watching the zing zings and the bang bangs and the twirling lights and the tickets racking up. And we're like fiends and we're like, oh, more money, put more money into it. And I had to teach the girls, you know, nope, this is where you stop. This is where you stop. See, we got the we got the big dog here. We got the big bang that gave us the 108 tickets here. You got the two cards that are even close to drop. Mm-mm. You walk away. You come back another day when some other schmuck has wasted their money and gotten more of these cards to get pretty close to the drop and gotten more of the lights on, you know, so that way we only got to get two of them or so. Then you play again. And they were like, no, we just want to play. We just want to spend a little more money. Mm-mm-mm. Be smart. Well, if you're smart, you don't gamble at all. But, you know, in a, in another world where you do, you at least play it smart and know when to walk away and go, hey, that was enough. We had fun. So we did it. Basically, in a nutshell, Matt, we go there and check for that Thanos card. You know what I'm saying? Like I told you. So that's what we do now. We go read books, and we drink our coffees and eat our cheesecake, and then we walk over to the Zapid Zone, and we inspect, and we go, hmm, do we see a Thanos in here? Hmm, where's he at? He's going to get us 3,000 tickets, which is going to get us that cool Pokemon prize. No Thanos? And then we check. Well, does that Thanos have four gems open and available? Are any of the cards pretty close to falling because each of them worth like 50 tickets or whatever? And then that's how we assess whether we play or not. That's kind of our uh, our weekend ritual these days. Every weekend, go read for a bit and then get educated and then go have a little bit of fun and take off. So I've been enjoying it, having fun with it, want to keep doing it. Um, Willie this weekend, who knows? I got one last ticket for 10 free dollars at the Zap Zone. So probably, because why not use it? It's 10 free dollars. Not my money. 
beyond that, though, what else did I do, Matt? Did I see a movie? Yes, I did. I did see a movie, by gosh. I went to the theater all by my lonesome, like a weird, weirdo freakazoid who sees movies by themselves does. And I saw Demon Slayer, man, in the theater. And it was the Hashiro uh, training arc. Well, only a part of it was. They showed you the first episode of that. But before that, they showed you the finale of the uh, the sword training arc or whatever. And so I got to watch the finale of that, which was really cool and fun, mind you. Don't, you know, no big deal. And then they gave you one episode, a sneak peek, basically, of the coming uh, arc that's, uh, you know, going to drop next season, I think, or whatever. So I got to sit there with some buffalo uh, you know, boneless wings in hand, which I will tell you, man, when I first started getting those, big, chunky, awesome, felt like I was getting like 10, 12 of these bad boys, you know, and they were meaty and, and gooey and yummy. This one, mm-mm, shameful display, as, as Matt would say, shameful. They were like seven little nuggets the size of this little skull here, you know. Kind of dryish a little bit. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I just paid $12.49 for these bad boys. This is unacceptable. So I think I am done buying those. I will find, I'll probably just go back to my nachos because they always seem to do the nachos up real good. And they're also cheaper. So I think I'll just go back to that and call it a day. And I will say, I haven't been back in a while now because obviously listeners know I haven't been watching many movies. But Regal changed up their chicken strips not too long ago. That's what I always get. And you get like the buffalo dip and sauce and all this stuff. And they changed from like these really like thick and meaty ones to like more flat based ones. But the, the batter they're fried in is different too. So it's like crunchier and crispier. It's like more like a, if I say grainy, it sounds bad, but you, you like mm-hmm. a fine grain on the batter. So it's, it's different, but it's also really good because you get more crunch. You get that I don't know, that mouthfeel of it. It's really good. I don't know. A change for me that's still good, but different in a different way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, lucky for you. I'm glad that happened. I wish I wish Celebration would have kept whatever they were doing with the Buffalo Wings in the first place, because those were rocking. But that's okay. They've got some other good options, so I'm not, like, you know, bent out of shape about it. So I did go watch that movie, and I had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. There was, like, you know, 15 of us nerds in there watching the show, and Everybody just chilled, kept themselves, had a great time, all got up. So nice. I wish they would do a lot more of that with the anime, just bringing in teaser seasons. I don't even care if it was just bringing in finales of older seasons. I'd go watch them in the theater. Why the hell not? You know, it's bombastic. It's usually really epic. You know, a lot of good times. And beyond that, I uh, played one, well, one game and a demo this week. I played FF7 Rebirth's demo. And I already talked about the previous side, but I did the Junon side. And did I talk about this last week? I can't remember. I don't think so, but we talked about it on the Whatcha Plan. Okay, okay. Because I, w- I wrote that down, and I was like, I don't know. I th- felt like I talked about it. But anyways, I did talk about it more on the uh, Whatcha Plan, so I'm not going to go into extensive detail here. But I'll tell you, the Junon stuff was way tougher. So just be careful. If you want to go and do that demo, which why would you at this point, unless you want the extra bonus stuff you get for doing the demo in the main game because the main game's out and rock and rolling which you'll hear about in a moment it was great it was fun i didn't need to go all the way through it just because the game's coming and i can't wait to play it in its entirety so uh definitely check it out if you're interested i'll just tell you that and the other game of course was infinite wealth uh that was awesome i had i'm just having such a good time with it it feels as man always tells you it feels like home it feels great 
It's like that comfort food. You get in there, and I'm just smoking baddies, running down the road. I almost never use my little, what is it, a scooter? The street surfer, yeah. Yeah. And the only time I ever use the taxi is if I'm in a hurry. Like, I really want to get to uh, Revolve to do a, a line, a link or whatever. Then I'll taxi and just get over there and do it. But most of the time, yeah, I just run to place to place, fighting every bad guy in the way, grabbing up every stupid briefcase, every stupid little tarot card or whatever I see on the way. Because why not? I feel like when I'm playing that game, I'm just kicked back and I'm at home and I'm just, boom, oh, yeah, I could just play this. I don't got to think about it real hard. I don't got to go nuts about it. As me and Matt do, we're, you know, we're always very overleveled for the stuff we're doing usually. So I know I'm not going to die. There's no chance of it happening. I don't got to worry about anything. And sometimes that's just what you need. And it's also cool because it replaces my need to just watch an anime and just turn the brain off. So I can still game and say I did some gaming instead of going, oh, man, I am not feeling nothing quick. And mind you, I love anime, but still, you know what I'm talking about, where it's, hey, what did you do this week? Oh, I just watched anime. I don't, I don't know what video games are. This, Like a Dragon's the game I can play that says I played games, but I don't have to think about it, because you can just go kill baddies and have a good time. I'll tell you more about Dodonko Island if you want to go watch or listen to what you play in Third Shift, because that happened. Another than that, there's a big story moment I feel like is coming up here, so I'm hoping tonight, after the show, to get to that point. And get to some stuff that Matt's been talking about lately about it. So I'm hoping that's where I get to. Because I can't wait to see some of my old friends again. So we'll see. We'll see. And that's been about it though, Matt. Nothing too extravagant. What about you? I don't think I did anything this week. It's just been a funk week. Just blah and blah. Even today, which is supposed to be like the greatest day, the best day. It still is. You know, good stuff happened. But I'm just like, blah. Blah. So I'm just in a funk. Over the weekend, I don't think there was anything to do. The only thing, uh, WWE had their Elimination Chamber pay-per-view from Perth, Australia. Watch that. Hey, it was fun. Next day, uh, go back to doing nothing. But the only thing that I do do is play Infinite Wealth. Because like you said, it's just home. And it's zone-out time, and it's just chill-out. And I've hit that spot, kind of like you're talking about. But it definitely happened for me like really hard for like two weeks playing the last game, where... Just all I did was just fight baddies. I didn't even go do any side stuff. I just ran up and down the road fighting stuff. Because the fighting feels good, but it's not so much that you have to think about it. Like, I have my rotation. If everybody's in a group, he does this skill, she does that skill, he does that skill. Boom, we're done. Or, oh, I'm overleveled. Smackdown on these guys. Smackdown on those guys. And I don't know why, but like you said, that's just the... I'm zoning out, and I'm just having fun. I'm playing a game... I'm enjoying myself if I think about it. Like, yeah, man, I can't wait to go home and play some Like a Dragon. All right, you going to do a story? No. Well, I'm just going to go up and down the road. Like I went and did the, in Japan, there's the big dungeon. I did all the three base levels of that. I've unlocked the EX special. I've gotten to a certain point getting resources where I can start. If I get one more resource, I can start crafting the ultimate weapons for everybody. So I'm definitely going to do that. But it's just, I'm back in Hawaii now, so I have that crew now again so i'm just doing that with them i'm just running around like you said picking up every single thing fighting every single enemy oh they've got to level 30 on this class okay swap them over that class start again just keep going just keep doing it oh it's been two hours of doing that all right i'll do one story mission and it's you know the little 15 minute cutscene of hey what's going on over here oh man hey for the next bit we're gonna need to go two blocks over 
okay, I'm going to go literally around the island one more time, just dorking around, doing stuff. Oh, here's a restaurant that I haven't, you know, maxed out, bought all the stuff from yet. All right, bye, 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 bye. Watch Table Talk. All right, cool. Run, just roam, just run, just do stuff. And I don't know. It's just a funk that I'm in, but in that game, doing nothing is still fun and still engaging and still, it just feels right and it feels good. So that's what I'm doing. I was going to ask, because I haven't gone back to it yet. Uh, I went to Dungeon in Hawaii, and I went down as far as it let me go, and it kicked me out. Do I got to wait to go back, or can I go back now and do something? Because I never checked. I just went, okay, I guess I did it, and I took off. I did the same thing. I would assume you can just go back. I mean, each each level that you go down, like it starts with three. Mm-hmm. It has like level suggestions. Like one is like 10, the other's 20, and the other's 30, I think. Okay. And then the EX, well, at least the Japanese one, it was like that. And then the EX was like 50-some. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Which I am right there. but So I could probably go back and do another set, probably. Oh, yeah, definitely. Time. Good. But yeah, that's what I did for a big chunk in the Japan one, because I was just like, I, I just need to fight stuff and just zone out. Oh, here's the place. You just walk down flights of stairs and fight stuff. And it was just I don't know. I feel like I didn't do anything, but it fulfilled the need that I wanted of just I'm just doing this thing. Yeah, I love that feeling because you get really good loot down there too. Yeah, yeah. So I know I'm getting weapons and opening the chests that give me you know the cool uh, trinkets and whatnot. Oh, that's that's cool too. Because when you get to that third level, the third base level, anyway, I started getting unique armors for the different classes. Like, oh, here's the ultimate quote finger samurai armor here's the ultimate geodancer armor so it's like oh okay cool nobody is that class right now but when they do become that class here's a nice specific to that class armor slot not just accessory but like physical armor piece so that was pretty cool and you know by the time i got out of there i have 10 million bucks so i can start buying and crafting and doing all the things that i need to do in addition to just getting all the money from running down the road and fighting everything like we talked about, on um, the whatcha plan, farming like an idiot like I do. So I don't know. It's been a weird week, like blah, a, blah, a very blah week, but I'm having a ton of fun. I'm like 90 hours into infinite wealth now, and it, it's never going to stop until I hit the point, just like I did with the last game, where I go, all right, I've got to do story now, and I'll just blitz through it because I'm overleveled for everything. But I don't know. It's a weird week, but I guess it was fun. There we go. I can tell you a game that you don't got to guess no fun about, all right? This week's release, it's a no-brainer. You knew what I was going to talk about. It's FF7 Rebirth, folks. February 29th, Square published, developed, out for the PlayStation 5. Only currently, it will, of course, one day come to PC, but not today. You got to have that PS5 if you want to play this game. This is it. I can't tell you how excited and happy I am to play this game. I mean, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Remake was just utterly fantastic. And if you don't know, of course, this is a a remake of an old-school FF7 game that came back way out in the PlayStation days. I shouldn't really have to tell you all about it. It's RPG. It's got Cloud, Era, Tifa, Barrett. Just go Google anything gaming. You're going to find it. All right? It's not hard to talk about. Now, I will tell you this. If you're like, oh, RPGs, I hate RPGs. Hey, it's got the active time battles in this one, so you're going to be flying around, doing all sorts of cool combos, having fun. It ain't your old school turn-based stuff. So don't just fade out and not pay attention because this is not what that game is. But I'll tell you this. If you've played the old ones and you've seen some of these trailers, it's 
like I'm drooling. I'm just drooling at the mouth. You got Kate Sith coming in. You got more of the Turks coming in. You've got Vincent showing up. You've got Red 13 doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Cosmo Canyon is like a main area in this one. And if you've played the other ones, you know that that place is so awesome. And the music to that, it's just, it beats in your head for eternity. You'll never forget it. The Gold Saucer and all the mini games are in this particular title. So you're going to be, I think it's, I think 13 or 17, somewhere in that range, mini games in this game. And one of them is Queen's Blood, which is this card game that a whole team spent an entire year focused on and making. And it's superb from what I hear. It's absolutely fantastic, and everyone's addicted to it. Now, I got to jump in because I'm, this is the one thing that made me sit up and take interest over this past week of just blah nothing, talking about minigames. And they showed it off in like the latest reveal trailer and thing, but we never mentioned it here on the show. There's a whole piano playing minigame yes. where you use the analog sticks to hit the different notes. My favorite thing on YouTube now is finding like these little short, like two, three minute videos, and it's Cloud playing X song on the piano in Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Like they played the Metal Gear Solid main theme mm-hmm. on one. I was like, this I is the best that. thing I've ever seen. They did like the intro to Snoop Dogg's, like, I don't know if it's Gin and Juice or What's My Name or whichever one it was, but I was like, this is it. I can't wait to watch these forever for the whole rest of my life. Just great. And what's cooler even about that is you can find actual uh, little, I don't know what they call them, scores for how to play different songs in FF7 throughout the world. Nice. And a spoiler alert, in case you don't want to hear it, it's a mild spoiler, and if you played the old game, you know. And I don't know if it ha- I don't know if it's true in this one. I only know it's true in the old one. That's how you- It's one of the ways you get Tifa's ultimate weapon, mm-hmm. is through this piano. So just let you know, you might want to spend a minute on it, try to figure out a little bit about it, because it might be important, and it might not. I don't know if it carried over. It's just something I know, a nugget from way back in the day. But I agree, Matt, that's insane the time and the depth they went through just from that piano thing and it's it blows my mind and then i already mentioned the card game they spent a ton of time on and then they also mentioned that chocobo racing used to be another game you did back in the day to get stuff you needed and to get your uh, chocobos where you needed to breed them to get your gold chocobo they said they revamped the entire racing to be more like a real traditional racing you know go-kart experience so you're getting the whole nine apparently with this one instead of just kind of like a real simple generic mini game because before you just watched it right like you could barely even do anything with it oh uh, yeah you kind of like yeah you did like a kind of like a weird mild steering like, but kinda yeah, like it was, a go go yeah 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 exactly it was, but it was button mash kind of thing mm. that was about it and this time you're you're going jumping around moving and doing the whole nine you're racing you're actually racing and then I don't know. There's a bunch more mini games. Apparently, I can't wait. I just cannot wait to see what they do with all this stuff. I really was hoping for the snowboarding to be in this, but I think I heard it isn't. But I can't believe it. I can't believe they won't have the snowboard in this. It's, I think it's a lie. I think people are just trying to put it off so you think it's not there and it's actually going to be there. So we'll see. I just want to play. I just cannot wait to get a hold of this game. If you have not played uh, the remake. You're really going to have to go play that. I know I know that the teasers and the trailers and the, the podcast have been telling you, oh, you don't have to play this. You could jump right in. And yes, yes, there is definitely a recap. So if you're new to this and you do want to jump in, you say, I don't care. I'm not playing Remake. I want to go straight into this. There is a recap that is available to you as soon as you start the game that will kind of just give you the gist of what happened. But don't do yourself like that. Go play Remake before you come play this one. Please, because I'm telling you, the moments, the characters, the graphics, the battles, 
Everything is phenomenal. And from what I see from this, it's only going to be escalating exponentially as to what happens. And my boy Zach's coming back. And, of course, if you don't know in the original, he was just a minor character, just part of the storyline, basically. And then they gave him some real you know, focus in the Crisis Core, which I played, which you all know, the reunion. But now he's here. He's coming back as part of the story. And I can't wait to see what they do with that and what happens. Not to mention, lastly, that they've actually got, like, cool little like persona type links now where you can hang out with your peeps and actually get them to like you more which supposedly might change little bits here and there and who knows where that'll lead that's got me excited just overall looks fantastic everything's looking great reviews for it are just skyrocket out of this world a wonderful game go do yourself a favor and check it out there's a demo i already told you about it go play that go see it go see for yourself it's a great game so I mentioned we were talking about the piano mini game. That being one of the very few things this week that's made me like sit up and take notice, specifically on YouTube. And so has this game that I'm about to talk about. I was sitting there on YouTube, and a channel that I follow posted a video said, so they made a Star Wars Dark Forces remaster. And I was sitting there at lunch one day, and I went, I've never played Star Wars Dark Forces. This is a PC game from like the mid-ish 90s back when my PC could barely run Final Fantasy VII, the PC version. Like, doing the Chocobo race was like two frames a second. It was atrocious. It was terrible. So I never got to play this game. And I went, I'm, I'm bored. I got nothing to do. Click, watch the video. And as soon as the graphics popped up, and he was, he was running through the level, you know, showing off the stuff, I fell in love. And I don't know why, because I never played Star Wars Dark Forces. But Star Wars Dark Forces Remaster is out as of yesterday, as we're recording this, the 28th of February, developed and published by Night Dive Studios for PC, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, and Xbox. All them consoles. Every single thing you could want it on. And if you don't know Dark Forces, I mean, I just said it. It's a mid-90s PC first-person shooter in the Star Wars universe. In that perfect time when all we had for Star Wars was the original movies and like all the book series, but there wasn't prequel movies, there wasn't anything. So when you got a Star Wars video game, it was something special. It was something cool. And from all the, the cultural osmosis that I've gotten, people love the Dark Forces games, and it's turned into like Dark Jedi and all this other stuff. But this first one, you're Kyle Katarn, you're a former Imperial, now you're working as a mercenary, helping the Rebels out. On at least one of these missions, you're going to steal the plans for the original Death Star, then you're going off and fighting dark troopers, so that's where this whole thing came from, all kinds of other stuff. So you're doing a sneakity, Star Wars-y, blasters and weapons type of mission, running through environments, doing all kinds of cool stuff. And like I said, just seeing the vibe of these graphics. The video I was watching said, oh, this is back when these kind of games were called Doom clones. And I was looking at it, and I was like, this looks like it looks like Doom. Like the walls look like Doom. And they're not, it's not Doom, it's not Hell, it's not Mars. But it's that, that just perfect flat, I don't know how to describe it, that 3D environment, all the enemies are 2D sprites that are always like turning to face you or turning away. And it just had that nostalgic charm. Which doesn't make sense, because I was never a big Doom guy. I was never a big Wolfenstein guy. I never played Dark Forces. But when I saw this, my brain went, yeah. It went, yeah. Back in the days, yeah. And then seeing the upgrades that they've done to it, all the textures are shined up. The guns look pretty. The, the sprites, even though they have that 2D sprite charm, 
they've been cleaned up. They've been awesomized. And if you still like the old ones, you can buy this version and click back and forth between the old graphics. See how grainy it was. See how 4x3 it was. And just have a great time running and gunning, throwing thermal detonators, shooting stormtroopers. It's like from back in the day when the, the Star Wars enemies you had were stormtroopers and like those Death Star guys were like the weird helmets. They didn't have, like, the battle droids, the this, the that. You had, like, the interrogator droids that would float through the air. It's from a more innocent age of Star Wars and Star Wars games. But like I said, it's been remastered. The graphics in the run-and-gun segments are as good as they're going to be. They redid all the cutscenes. So any CG-type cutscenes, those are super clean, super nice, super HD-ified. The 2D cutscenes that they had, where it was, like, a mix between some, like, actual photography of the sets and stuff that was ripped from the frames of things and hand animation. It's been all like artified, just really well animated. looks really cool. Everybody's been saying this in the reviews I've watched. If you played this game back in the day, it looks now how you remember it looking from back in the day with your nostalgia goggles on. And it looks so clean and so awesome and so old school and it just delights me. I watched another review of it today, and I was like, is this still hitting? And I was watching, and I went, yeah, it is. And it cuts to those 2D cutscenes, and they're animated so nice. I was like, this, man, this is that age. It's got MIDI-style music. They have redone the music, but it still has that old-school MIDI just coming out of your little one little PC speaker that you had, or like the, the two that would hang on either side of your monitor if you had that gateway monitor. It's got all the feels. It's got all the nostalgia. If you played the original game, definitely get this one. If you've never played it like I haven't, watch some video of it. Listen to some MIDI tunes of it. You're going to love it. It's Star Wars Dark Forces Remaster. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to have a good time with it. It's going to be awesome. Hell yeah. I agree, man. I am a Doom guy. I am a Wolfenstein guy. I never did play the Dark Forces. Before what you're talking about, sounds like I better check it out. But I'll tell you, another thing that makes me giddy, another thing that makes me delightful, Matt, as you said is the fact that Remedy just talked about and announced that they went ahead and got control of control from 505 Games. They now get to control 100%. I should stop saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything that happens with that actual franchise instead of 505 Games, which, mind you, I've got no beef against 505 Games. No. They've done no wrong. There's, i got nothing to say negative against them. But I'm just glad because Remedy had such a success with Alan Wake, especially Alan Wake 2 now just recently, that I'm so happy to see them get a hold of Control 100% so they can take Codename Condor, which is Control 2, in any direction they want to and release it and or do whatever they want with it or make whatever partnerships they want with it in any way, shape, or form. And hopefully release a physical version. Give you a physical version. And hopefully release a physical version for Matt. He really wants that. Not only that, they get control back as well. However, 505 Games will remain uh, in a transitional phase up till the end of this year uh, in charge of you know distribution and or deals, et cetera, et cetera, with control. But after that, all royalties, all that, everything else will all go back to Remedy, and they will have the sole ownership of that franchise, along with, of course, Alan Wake, which will give them the freedom I think they need and desire to do what they want with this universe they've created, and the fans are just eating it up and loving it, and I feel like they'll take it in a great direction. And at least that's what I hope. And they they haven't proved me wrong or shown me that they're not, they're, you know, that they are going to screw anything up. So this was just really good news, especially since there's so much bad news and so much weird stuff going on lately. This was kind of like one of those moments where, oh, shit, they're doing something really cool. I appreciate that. This is great. 
I can't wait. Yeah, I definitely agree. I'm generally that mindset where I don't need everything to be a combined universe. So, And I haven't beaten Alan Wake 2 to see any of the combined stuff they've been doing. But this is a developer and a, and a studio and people who I have faith in. So them having full control of their baby to do whatever they want to do with it, it makes me feel good. It makes me happy. And like I said, give me physical versions of everything you do from now on. And then also, hey, why don't you, why don't you steal the license from Max Payne back? From Rockstar. I know. Even though I know that story is like over, but like you could do your own end of the story to it. Something I mean, I'm not I've never played Max Payne three, but it wasn't you guys. So give me a Max Payne three from you guys, and that's that's what I want. That's what I need. Wouldn't that be fantastic to bring that into into the loop? You know, we've seen Alan Wake two with some, you know, alluding to like hints of Easter eggs for Max Payne here and there. It'd be great if they could just get everything they've done, lump it back together and then create whatever they want with it from there on. Here's to hope. And the only way they're going to do that, though, Matt, is if it's successful. You know, if, yeah. if the Alan Wake 2 continues to do well, Control continues to do well, that gives them the funding, the motivation, and the good feels to, you know, buy back stuff like that and do things with it. So only time will tell. But for now, a little bit of good news amidst all sorts of craziness going on in the old gaming world. You're going to lead into some bad news because it's here on the show notes. So just, hey, you lifted us up over your head. And you went, yay. Now just like throw us into the front row. Yep. Just like throw us down a pit. That's how we do we it. We have to do that. That's the way you do it. You get high and then you go low. Like Darth Vader. You lift us up. We're the emperor. We're going, yay. And then you throw us down the Death Star reactor. And we go, oh. And then it's a terrible time. A terrible time. But at least it ain't too terrible, Matt. And that's because... EA announced that they're going to be uh, letting go about 5% of their staff overall, et cetera, layoffs this, layoffs that. You all know what's going on. We've talked here and there about it. We don't go too in-depth about any of that stuff. But let it be known, there's just a lot happening, a lot of uh, restructuring uh, things and firings, hirings, et cetera, going on in the gaming world. EA's doing it. And unfortunately, it actually affected me and Matt a little bit with this particular one because... Respawn, a studio Matt particularly really likes because of Titanfall, and I came to enjoy it because Matt got me to play Titanfall 2 with him quite a bit for a while. Well, they were going to be doing a Star Wars FPS, and I was stoked. I was excited for it. I remember when it was announced, I was like, yeah, that sounds freaking badass. I want to do this. Matt, same sentiments. We were both like, this sounds really cool. It's gone. They canceled the project. Respawn's back to ground zero once again. On anything, but of course, as Matt pointed out, because I had totally forgotten, like an idiot, Apex Legends. You know, they're also responsible for that, which is very successful, very cool. I don't play it; I just it slips right out of my mind. But as for like a a single player game slash multiplayer game, you know, they haven't done that in a while. I feel like just anything they start gets ripped right out of their hands. It's another one. Here it is, and I, I don't, I don't like it. I'm bummed out about it. Yeah, I agree. It sucks. Uh, you you said it. I'm bummed because anything Respawn does is cool. Like, it's always been cool. Titanfall 2 was, like, one of the best FPSs. People still gush about it to this day. I love the multiplayer on it so much. Granted, some of that, not the Titans, but some of that carried over to Apex Legends, but I'm not a Battle Royale guy, so seeing them come back to some single-player, first-person shooting content, even though it wasn't Titanfall 3, it got me hyped. Now it's gone. The other things that do bum me out about this story, because I pulled up an IGN article about it, you know, saying 5% of your employees getting laid off, it sounds like a small number, but we know it's EA, the biggest company in the entire world, 670 people, which is still less than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be like 
a thousand people, but still sucks for them. But then the other thing about this article, specifically the IGN one, it says we're going to reassign people who are working on this to other projects like Apex Legends, Ugh. Iron Man, Black Panther, and the Jedi games, which you like the Jedi games. Jedi one I'm on board with. But to Iron Man. No. That's not like a franchise. That's just a license you have. I'd like... I know they've made like a VR Iron Man game, I think, that people liked, but where's where's there been a mainstream Iron Man game? It hasn't been. Where's there been a mainstream Black Panther game? There hasn't been. Where's there been an EA superhero game lately? Like I don't were that it wasn't that wasn't Avengers, was it? Like did they, did they do that? I don't remember. I don't remember to tell you the truth. But I'm just like I'm not excited for these franchises, and not because I dislike the franchises, but you haven't been doing stuff with them. So I'm like, oh, we're going to make an Iron Man game. All right, where's the teaser? Where's the reveal? Where's the, uh, we're, we're just going to make one. EA, the publisher who keeps cutting stuff, keeps reassigning stuff, keeps making stuff go away. I don't know. It just boned me out that it wasn't, they're going to work on big thing that we know is coming. Oh, oh, what's the future of EA going to be? We're going to be looking at Madden and stuff and, cutting other IPs that don't align with what we like, which is the thing that makes us money, like Madden, Madden and FC and sports games, which are fine. Like, if you like sports games, no problem. I used to like sports games a lot, too. But Where's the creative fun EA? I feel like it's dying. You dangled this in front of me, and you went, look at this cool thing that's going to be. Okay, cool. I took it away. To replace it with what, though? I don't know. Some stuff we're going to want to make later. Oh, I... You got you gotta you gotta slap my hand, but then give me something good. You didn't give me something good. You slapped my hand and went, see you see you next time. Yeah, and on two two parts here is for me on a personal note, I really feel like I'm just waiting for it. You know, the EA originals, you know, they were trying to branch off and do some cool stuff. Wild Hearts. I freaking loved Wild Hearts. I played the hell out of it. Guess what? A lot of people didn't. And that wasn't the only EA original, but there's been a quite a quite a few now that haven't really made it. They haven't cut the mustard couple that have but i'm just waiting for the announcement that they're going to shut down ea originals and move on from that so that hasn't happened but i'm fearing that might be something that happens which would be the fun ea that i like right. and want to play going away and ea becomes something i just don't care about anymore and to further on that note right before the show began i found out that ridgeline games which was focused on the uh campaign version of battlefield has been completely cut there is no Ridgeline games anymore, and the single-player campaign they were working on for the upcoming next Battlefield or whatever, I think it was going to be its own franchise or own you know title. But either way, it's been moved to a whole other team. Ridgeline's been let go, and that's just a, that just sucks. That's a bummer to hear because you know how that goes when you throw something from one developer to a whole new developer. It, it just creates chaos, creates God knows what, how many years this thing's going to take to get finished or fixed or changed to come out. So I just feel like overall it's a, just a bad time at EA right now. And unfortunate, you know, several things we liked or thought we were going to like were just kind of out the window. And speaking of long time, they did mention in that article too. This was the other thing I forgot. Oh yeah, we're still in the pre-production for the next Mass Effect. So that'll be like 10 years from now. But Bioware's working on Dragon Age. Okay, but the last talk or reveal or even teaser trailer that we're working on it was like four years ago. I don't know. It, it seems like that way anyway. So I'm like, here's another thing that we do that's really cool that has the potential to be really awesome. But uh, yeah, still pre-production. Also, yeah, we're, they're also working on this other thing that you don't know anything about. 
Cool. Thanks. Yeah, we won't even get going on the Dragon Age because that's been a whole thing. Mm. Showed the trailer and then it's just been a train wreck since of all f- hiring this person, firing this person, this person leaves, rehiring, this, that, that, that. I don't know. It's just crazy, man. I just I hope they can get it together. I hope we don't see some of these franchises fall and just die forever because that would suck. I agree, especially Mass Effect, because Andromeda was actually a ton of fun, so I'm sad that they're going away from it to make something that's going to be 12 years in the making if it ever bees. We've said it a million times. Mm-hmm. So we had good news. We had bad news. But I got this feeling in my bones, like something that I haven't encountered in forever. I get this nostalgic feeling. Mm-hmm. I get this feeling like I hear a sound like a like a bing bong. You, you hear that? Yeah. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. It's the doorbell. It's the mailbag. I wrote it in the show notes. Mailbag Jones. We got a mailbag entry from a buddy, Ryan S. Peterson Games, on the Discord. You can get in the Discord and send us mailbag stuff that way. He writes, mailbag question. What is your favorite skill tree system in a game and your favorite ability in a game? Looking for inspiration for my skill tree building roguelike. Eric, kick us off with some stuff. Oh, man. So let me tell you, I've got three favorite skill trees, all right? And one of them kind of doesn't count, especially since you're doing a roguelike and you say you want an inspiration for your coming up roguelike game. One of them kind of doesn't work for that, but maybe it does. Maybe your imagination is better than mine, which it probably is. So here you go. One of them is old school World of Warcraft. You know, pre, pre-days, before it was focused on you choosing fire, uh, arcane or frost back when it would let you choose any and all of them and just combine them to your heart's content and this includes when they did the patch to do Frostfire. that's not really a super important what's really important is in those three skill trees you could see all three and every ability in them and you could take any branch or any path you wanted down to any skill that you wanted obviously the deeper you went into one skill tree the bigger the abilities got until you'd get to the ultimate ability of that tree. I love these kind of skill trees because it allows you to focus. You could go, you know what? I've got to get the inferno and the fire tree period. Just have to. So you focus on getting all the way down to that ultimate skill, but you didn't have to. You could say, I wanted to be a hybrid. So you could go down and get the, uh, the group calling you wanted on this in the fire branch. Then you could come down and get the, uh, the blizzard and frost and then make sure you get arcane missiles and blink out of the arcane tree. You could create so many variants of a mage through this, you know, this setup that it was, it was crazy. Were all of them viable for like top end gaming? Nope. Were all of them viable for the best PVP? Nope. But you did have at least two or three from each thing that were, which created, in my opinion, just a lot of fun and a lot of a lot of choosing. Like I was never top DPS for a while, but survivability, I was because I made sure to pick all the skills that allowed me to get out of every damn thing you could imagine. Did it mean I was rocking those really cool end game frost spells? Nope. I couldn't get to them because I wanted to have the Blink available. I wanted to have the uh, Evoke available. I wanted to have the Mimic available. You know, just I'm making up stuff just to get to the point of what I'm talking about. But it allowed you to do that. And I love any – and it doesn't have to be World of Warcraft. There's others that have done this. But I love the skill trees that are 
they're simple, but they're complicated. There's a million, not a million, but like, you know, 50, 60 different abilities you can pick from and you get to choose. And of course, people will tell you what's best, what's not best, but you get to actually pick what you want and go down those branches to your heart's content. I love those type of skill trees. Not super complicated, but not stupid simple. You know, I don't, I don't, I like a good medium. So before I get to one of my stupid, simple yet beautiful ones, Matt, what about you? Now, you started with a big game that doesn't really apply to roguelikes. I'm going to do the same thing because when I think of skill trees that I love and characters that I've created that I love, I think of the Borderlands games. And every character has a set starting point. They have one skill. This is what Axton does. He throws out a turret and it shoots bullets. But if you go down this skill tree, his own shooting guns damage gets increased. You make him better. You go down... The other skill tree, it makes the turret's damage a lot better. You go down the other skill tree, and it makes him live longer. So survivability versus damage versus your ability's damage, and all of them are totally viable. Like you said, sometimes if you want to just be max DPS with a gun, just running around doing your own thing, you got to go down this tree. But every single one of those is viable. You could find your own feeling, your own kind of accident, your own kind of gauge, your own kind of death trap. This is how... It would feel, my accident is going to be different from yours, unless we literally just went down the same skill tree and got the same capstone. But what I love about those Borderlands skill trees is the capstones. They always influence what you were doing in a really cool way. If you're going down just the accident gun one, I don't even know what it was, because I don't care, because that one's not for me. If you go down the turret damage one, your turret got rockets on top of it. So it got damage on top of damage. If you went down the survivability one, your turret got a shield that you could use, and then you could pop out a second turret. So it was like, as you capstoned, it changed the way you, or the thing you were modifying to go down the skill tree for, it changed how that worked. It made it better. It made it more unique, more cool, more interesting. And what I love, too, in the Borderlands games, you could go down and cap one thing, but you could never cap... I think maybe by the end of Borderlands 2, since they had so many DLCs, you could cap two you could never cap three. You had to choose. If you wanted, you could sprinkle all the way across and be kind of Johnny Roundabouts, Johnny Average, Jack of all trades. But if you wanted, you could focus and go, boom, that's what I'm going for. That's how I'm going to play. And I love that about those because every time a skill tree got released in pre-releases, we'd always look at it and I go, okay, I'm going down the right skill tree or the red one or the blue one or the green one, whatever we wanted to think about it because that capstone is going to change how I play when I get there, and I'm excited for that. So obviously, our buddy Ryan is an indie game developer. I don't know that you'll have the chance to go super deep like these, but that's one of my favorite skill trees because you got three different flavors, and each capstone changes the way you play in that flavor that you've chosen, and it was fantastic for it. Now, it's funny you mentioned the Borderlands one because that's actually quite similar to old-school World of Warcraft. So... We're kind of on the same page, except it was elements and damage, but they did represent different things. High damage, control, uh, versatility, that sort of thing. So that's another one that works perfectly. So we're on the same page with that one for sure. And, of course, keeping with Gearbox, and once again, it doesn't have to be this one. It's just the type. It's Battleborn skill tree. I love the simple yet very versatile ways that you can level up the skill tree in Battleborn. You know, it's got the helix going. So while you're leveling up, it's this one, this one, or this one, this one, this one, or this one. And not all of them, you know, well, sometimes there's a bot, you know, two level change, but some of them had three. 
you know, at the like the uh, cruxes or whatever you want to call it, the big skills. And that I I I love those because that doesn't require me. It requires you to think, but you know what I'm talking about. It's simple. It's quick. It's hey, do I want this tornado or do I want this uh, slow on the uh, ground or whatever? You pick. Boom. Now you've got a slow on the ground. Next one. Hey. Well, I've got to slow on the ground. Would it behoove me to get some kind of AOE that's stationary since I can slow people and get them in the spot? Now you pick from that or the other one, which allows you to maybe zip across the stage. Those quick hit decisions, they feel good. They feel great. And they make people who aren't like, oh, I can do all the number crunching, do all the weird stuff. I think it makes more a lot more fun in the game. Just a lot more, hey, it doesn't matter if this is the right choice. It's a choice of the two or three that you get. I don't think I'm breaking the game or I'm going to completely fail because I can just come back and do it again if I die and just pick something different if it didn't work quite right for me, which this one might fit into a roguelike because it's quick. It's a quick hit. You keep it on running. You have a great time. If it works, cool. If it doesn't, guess what? Go try again. So the Battleborn's Helix system or something similar to that, I feel is a really a good skill system to use too. And I agree with that because what I loved about that was a lot of times it was, like you said, it was a binary choice, but on one, you like your single focus damage goes up. But if you choose the other, your AOE damage goes up. So whatever you need in that moment, am I getting rushed by a bunch of stuff? Okay, this is that level where it's just waves and waves of enemies. AOE damage up. This is that stage where we're doing a bunch of boss fights. Single target damage goes up this time. Bing, 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 bing. So my next pick... This is going to slide right in to that roguelike skill tree. And it's not really skill tree. It's different. You know how it is. It's the Hades skill system. Whereas you're going along, you grab different skills. But what I love the most about it, and what I'll never forget about that game, is that you could level up your skills. So if you've got like your favorite skill, and especially in Hades, because you could choose which doors you went in to upgrade yourself in certain ways. But if you could... I'm thinking of this in any kind of other roguelike. If you have like red skills, blue skills, and green skills, if you got a red skill this time and it gave you this ability, then the next time you get a red skill, you could upgrade that ability instead of grabbing a blue or a green. So you could complement yourself with this wide range of all these abilities, but if you really wanted to focus one, you could level it up and level it up until it got to max level. And then that one ability... Not, you know, the only thing you use, but that could really carry your runs. And especially if you have, you know, these a bunch of different abilities, well, maybe this one I'm going to try this time. This is a big AoE. All right, I'm, I got to a spot with a bunch of AoE guys. Let me try and level that up. So when I get there, that's a lot easier. But I do know when I get over here, I'm going to need some single target damage. So I need to get some blue, but I want to pump up the red and see how that gets me. Stuff like that I really loved. And, of course... If you got to some spots, you could change out that skill with another one you got. So even if you did pump it up a couple levels, it's not serving me right now. I'm going to swap it out with this. Or especially in the Hades system. Well, I got a bunch of Ares stuff, and I know I started getting some Aphrodite stuff, and they get a dual boon at the end. So if you, if you kind of work with both of them enough, you get a special thing. Again, not sure how deep you want to go with it, but I love the ability of pick a skill you like, and then you can keep picking that skill again each time you get an upgrade to make it better to make it more badass just anything like that where this this is going to carry me through i got sniper stuff on this run uh, I'm, I'm sniping i got aoe stuff on this run boom 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 boom. i'm the aoe god that kind of stuff i love that because it's it's your own kind of custom like i really like this ability and i can make it better 
by just putting more points into it. I love it. The last one I like, and I don't really know how... Sorry, Ryan, I don't play roguelikes. It's just not my my jam. But there may be a way you could fit fit this in. And it's sort of similar maybe to Hades, what Matt's talking about, you know, focusing on certain skills or certain, you know, colors or whatever you want to call it. But it's FF9, Final Fantasy IX. I love when you get gear that has specific abilities. And then by using the ability and keeping that gear on, you learn it and it becomes permanent. You don't see this in a lot of games, period, ever. I don't even know if I've played a game since FF9 that's had that particular system. Maybe I have. I don't know. I'm getting old. I'm forgetting stuff. But I loved it. It just felt really good to me because there'd be pieces with you know spells or abilities I didn't care about. Well, guess what? As soon as I found something different or better, I disposed of that piece, popped on the next one. And then I would sit there and, oh, I like this one. So I'd go grind baddies, do what I needed to do to make sure I learned that ability so it was permanent and not just temporary while I was wearing said piece. I don't know if that could ever work for a roguelike since you die a lot and have to start over. So I don't know where that'd go. But you wanted what I like. That's what I like. Those are the three different systems that I've found over the years that I think are fantastic. And I can also give you one that I hate. I just utterly hate. But I'll wait for Matt if he's got another one that he really likes. No? All right. I'll just throw it out. Maybe Matt has one he hates too. And you can think about it while I'm saying this. Path of Exile's system and Diablo 4's secondary skill system, I utterly hate those type of systems. Now, if you're unfamiliar with them, Ryan and or Matt or anybody listening, it's these huge grids just with tons and tons of perks and abilities and attack ups defenses up and it's on this gigantic enormous grid and then you just slowly pick your path through this grid to every part and piece you want and in Diablo it's even more confusing to me because you can rotate the grids and then start to combo them up like a Rubik's Cube and start to like funnel your way that is way too advanced way too in-depth for a stupid person like myself, I need something focused or at least generally focused to where, oh, I really like to cut people with two swords. I'm going down this chunk and that's where I go. But these two particular games, the secondary in Diablo 4 and the, just the whole thing in Path of Exile, it's so open-ended and customizable that I just get flustered. I don't want no part of it. It's too It's too big. It's too much. And I feel like I'm forced. Anything that forces me to go online and have to just look up, hey, I, I'm looking for a mage-type build. Which way do I go? And then just copycat it because I'm just too dumb to sit there and go, well, two intellect plus 14 arcane is actually better than three willpower plus seven this. Th-. I don't have time for that. I will never have time for that. So I can't do it. So that type of skill system slash ability system is definitely a no bleh, no go for me. And I will say the only th- kind of skill system that I don't like, and I can't think of like a, a specific example of where I've had this happen before. But, you know, I mentioned liking being able to hang on to a skill and level it up. What I hate is when you get new skills, but you have to give something else up. Like, oh, I've, I've been building attack speed. What next do I choose that is going to replace something and I don't get attack speed as one of the choices? Well, I mean, my damage goes up, but now my attack speed is going back down because I had to replace, you know, if you have like three slots for skills and I choose two attack speed and one defense up. All right, what are my choices now? Uh, attack up, attack up, and I have to get rid of one to take another. I, I don't like that because 
that takes away from my build of my guy. Or, or I just go, well, I, I guess I don't pick one. And I just, I feel like I didn't gain anything. So having to replace one, that's not for me. But I'm going to roll into stuff that is more fun. Favorite abilities in a game. Yes, my favorite ability. I got three, and one is a very vague one, and it's any kind of pet or additional damage thing. You know, I was talking about Borderlands, Axton's turret. Throw the turret out. Throw Death Trap out. Throw something out that's either going to just put damage down on the field, it's going to actually run around and do stuff, or even think of Borderlands 1, Roland's turret. Put it out. It's got a little shield. Hide behind it. Even even just like a shield bubble. Put a shield bubble out. Oh my god, help. Bloop. Put that out. Something to take the heat off, put the heat on, or just to be its own wild thing running around. Now, I don't know how difficult it would be to code like a pet class, but that's my favorite thing. A turret, a shield bubble, or a pet. Something that I, I put, I go, oh crap, and I put it out, and it helps out. <laughs> that's the vaguest thing I could say, but I gave you three examples of one of those. Just boom, perfect. Well, I've got two, and you said you got three. So I'll give you the one. And that's a region. I love region. And it's sad because a lot of games get region very wrong. And it's an in just, it's a, it's just such a low, crappy amount that you regen for that it basically doesn't help you at all. You know, and I understand because the developer's always too scared that a regen goes too far the other way where you're just regening for way more health every turn than what the damage is getting done to you, so therefore you become like a god. But I love regen. I love the idea, especially if you can get like a in an RPG sense, an all regen. So you cast that, and you can just rest assured that you're pretty much going to be okay except for any kind of like catastrophic you know, damage that's getting done to you. But any like poisons can get nullified with a good regen, that type of thing. I love that ability. I, if I any game I see region, I always go for it and always dive into it and see what it can do and then see if it's worth doing. But like I said, a lot of games, they make it really bad and it just ends up not being worth the trouble for most things. So it's one of those unfortunate skills that I think is fantastic. But uh, I think a lot of developers are scared to use because then you can become OP and the game's not challenging. Now, my second one, I don't know how difficult it would be to implement because I, I, I feel weird giving ideas out and like if this takes like three whole weeks to program it's not a good idea something like charm or stun you know when i was thinking about hades if you worked with aphrodite you could get charm on the what was it, the circle button the thing you throw out your whatever you called it and whenever it hit an enemy they would stop doing anything and they would just walk towards you for like three seconds and it worked on everything it worked on the last boss so when i was scraping by fighting against hades just crying for my life, trying desperately to do anything, throw out a charm, you got three seconds to do whatever. If it means running in for max damage, you know, melee range damage, great. If it means running the F away so you can get away from the other adds that are chasing you with the big ability he just laid down, or you know he's going to wind up for a big swing, hit him with charm, it's not coming anymore. Same thing in League of Legends. Ari had a charm. Throw a charm, the enemy just helplessly walks for like two seconds towards you. Now you can escape, you can attack, you can go in hard because you know you have three seconds. Maybe a stun is, a, is an easier one to program. It's just you hit him with this, the enemy stops moving for two seconds. You can run in, you can run out, you can do anything. Enemy control. I love skills that let you control the battlefield and just give you a break or give you an opening. Well, I guess I'm joining Matt in this because my last one is slowing. 
I've told you probably years in the past and probably God knows when I'm a frost mage in my heart, my blood, my soul. I love the ability to slow and control the enemy. Nothing feels better to me than casting a frostbolt and knowing that I get two turns before they get one turn now and then having the ability to do like an ice block or something that just totally incapacitates them for a turn or two. The Just that feeling and that power of controlling the battlefield and controlling the environment for a minute, there's nothing better than that to me. Nothing whatsoever. And then it ties into my previous one, which is regen, because now that I'm controlling them, I'm getting more regen on me, which I'm getting the heals up, which also empowers me to feel better about what the hell's going on in the fight. I love it. So slowing in any capacity, but for me, primarily like frost type stuff, just because that's what I do in any game that gives me that option. But a regular slow is just as good too. Don't get me wrong. I love an old school slow in the RPGs where boop, pop it on and Literally, that shows you your old timer, and all of a sudden you're skipping ahead of the other person, and you already had a turn. I just laugh and I giggle, and I go, "Ah, oh, suck it! I'm about to cast this fire spell now, and I already did one before you. You're roasted. It's over. Love it to death." It made me think of Vampire Survivors because I know there's one item you pick up, and it like stops everything for like five seconds. You can run around, escape, do all your damage. Hey, Vampire Survivors is another one of those great skill trees where you pick your thing and you continue to level up that ability. That's another great one that I should have mentioned earlier. So we would have had three. Anyway, my last one, it's going to be an odd one, but it's one that when I think of abilities that I love, it's something that it wasn't like a specific thing you choose to do, like put out this attack, but it's from Borderlands 3. It's from my buddy Flack. In one of his skill trees, I don't even remember which one it is at this point, there was one ability you could unlock where it, I don't think it doubled, but it like one and a half multiplied your fire rate, but only while you were standing still. And it was just, it. I took it because the other options just didn't make sense or they weren't the things that I wanted to do. And I went, I'm never going to use this. But when you combined with Mr. Beef would put down a heal circle on the ground and I would run in and heal. But while I was standing in the heels, my fire rate went from plink, 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 to plink, 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 plink. And even if you didn't actively remember it, like as you're running, in doing a firefight and running, but as you found one spot, and it didn't necessarily need to be the heel spot, but just one spot where you couldn't move or you were stuck, just hearing your gun ramp up, seeing the effects just go plip, 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 it never got old. Like, I was delighted every single time. And I know that's a very specific ability, but when you talk about things that I loved doing, like, I, all the Borderlands skills that I played and abilities that I had are great. But when I think of, like, one of my favorites, that's it. Because it, it upped my ability, but I had to, th- you had to think about it. You had to know when you could do it, where you could do it. Otherwise, you were just running around doing your regular damage. But if you found that spot... Or, you know, Eric kited the enemy over here, and he's focused on him right now. His back is to me. I'm just going to stand here. Boom, boom. Plant my feet. All right, it's on me now. But I did. Massive damage. I turned into a turret. It felt so good every single time. I'm getting chills thinking about it right now. I want to play Flack and Mr. Beef and be the turret man. Just do it. Oh, it was great. Man, and you got me thinking. I was like, God, uh, even on that note... 
there were so many weapons that would also contribute to that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the skills that would do that. So there would be times where you could just stand there and between your skills, and then you had abilities that would up the crits the more you hit on a certain target or head or whatever it was. So then you're hitting more, getting crits more, then the weapon's boosting up. And it's you said that, and I'd be like, oh, man, yeah, I remember there was a few times where you just stand there and... And you're like, what the hell? And your ammo's out like that. And you're like, what just happened? Yeah, that's good times. That's good stuff. See, and especially that, because I'd shoot my little Atlas dart out, and I'd hide behind a rock and just go, and you just just see the bar just melt, just melt. I'm like, yes. This, and it was the perfect combo, because mm-hmm. I was completely safe, because I'm behind all the walls, just shooting in the air, and little tracer bullets are going, or tracker bullets. You know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. It was great. Man, yep, so there you go. Unless Matt's got more for you. There's some ideas. There's some stuff we enjoy, really like. I could go on with some other stuff, but those are the big ones, Ryan, and I hope that helps you. Absolutely, and what about you out there in podcast listener land? Hey, get in the Discord, throw our buddy some more suggestions, or if you want to send them through us, do that via the email, thirdshiftmedia.com, on the Twitter machine, at thirdshiftme. Find us on Facebook, on Third Shift. Like I said, hit the Discord. I guess you could go on the Patreon and do it. You could join me on the streams. Hey, I did a stream of Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth over the weekend. That was a lot of fun. There was another good thing I did this week. But hey, find us all the places. Do all the things. We love you, folks. Hey, come on in. You are the best. We enjoy your company. We enjoy all the things you do for us. You're awesome. Very much so. And of course, Matt already mentioned it. Hey, if you haven't think thought about it before, think about it now. Go to the Patreon. It's a tip jar. Just throw in whatever you want, whatever you think you got. It's all good. It just helps keep the lights on, bills paid, all that good stuff. So we can keep on podcasting for you all out there. But if you can't do that, Ryan just showed you what you can do. Go to the mailbags, throw us a suggestion, something you want us to talk about, a question you have, any and all things, and we will for sure throw it on the show and we will talk about it because that's the whole point. That's We love it. It's fun stuff. It's great stuff. It's content that you guys give to us so we don't even have to think of it. It's fantastic. It's a win-win. <laughs> And, of course, you can also listen to the very next episode, which will be dropping on or around the 7th of March on iTunes and Stitcher, on Podbean, on Spotify, and on YouTube. And as I always say, hey, if you like what we're doing, like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any of those good services, because it does help us out. And we really do appreciate it. We do indeed appreciate it so very much, just like we appreciate those five-star reviews. Come on, folks. It's a new year. It's a new you. Bring it in. Get them five-star reviews happening. I'm telling you, this is the year. This could be the year that we get like 150 five-star reviews. And all of a sudden, we got people going, Hey, Mr. Batten, hello, Mr. Barnhart. We got a proposition for you. How do you like mattresses? You want to sell a mattress? I guess we want to sell a mattress and the world could change. Man, could it change? See, I was just thinking we'd get those content boxes. Because, hey, I was going to mention it when you were talking about FF7 Rebirth. A guy I watch on YouTube called The Relaxing End. I think he's like a Chinese guy. He does these awesome unboxings. He's always got a cool knife, and he, he like puts on white gloves, and he unboxes it, like high-def cameras. I don't think I've talked about it on the show before, but he was doing one for a super cool collector's edition that Square Enix gave him for Rebirth with a big old Sephiroth statue and all the stuff. Ooh, that could be us. We could be The Relaxing End. We could do that, but we need your help to do that. To get anywhere at all, we need your help. 
If you give those five-star reviews, get people looking the eyes on us, people just dropping in randomly, that's how it happens. That's the whole thing to success, folks. It's a, it's an easy cookie-dry, cutter-sheet thing. There's other nefarious ways we can try to you know help in the background to make that happen, too. But that requires me and Matt to be weird and pay money and do weird things. We're just not in that world. That's not us. So we're just going to keep telling you to do it. Maybe someday you're going to. It's going to be great. And until that time, there's nothing else to say but don't forget forget to say. Shut up and sit down.